0: Shalom, everyone. So the goal of this year is to delve into the halacha, the lambdas, and the machshava of halakas neris. Because very often you delve into fascinating topics in Torah and you approach it from one perspective. So you talk about halacha, you do lambdas and gemara and you do machshava. But the goal of this year is to really build layers of understanding of a profound aspect of Torah, profound mitzvah, which is, I would say not often fully grasped understood, especially by men in terms of their connection to this mitzvah, which we're going to obviously talk about, and women also, it's such a profoundly deep, deep mitzvah. So let's open it up, and let's open it up with some basic, basic questions, which, number one, starts off with the way you approach every single mitzvah, which is, what's the purpose of this mitzvah? And the second question, as I hinted to just a couple seconds ago, is the basic question of whether or not the mitzvah of Neros, nerus, the mitzvah of lighting candles Friday night, is a mitzvah that only applies to women, because women do it. And yet, there is this thread in many, many different macros, many different sources, that clearly shows men's unique connection to this mitzvah as well. And the third question is, how is the mitzvah done? Now, we're not gonna delve into everything because there are so, so many questions and details and specific applications where things come up, but I want to delve into some of the most important aspects of this sukya. And the best place to start is to ask the question of what is the nature of this mitzvah? So, you know, every single week comes to Shabbos, you light candles. And when it comes to lighting candles, you want to say, what's the kavana of this mitzvah? What am I intending to do? What is the purpose of this mitzvah? And it's one of these things where there actually seems to be different approaches. So on the very basic level, there seems to be the concept of kavod Shabbos, of giving honor, giving sanctity, giving this this higher level of awareness of the beauty and grandeur and awesomeness of Shabbos. And we like candles to do that. And it's basically very much tied down into the Rambam, where the Rambam says explicitly, and then he continues and says, the whole purpose is ilu All of the all of these things that we do for Shabbos, they're, they're for the sake of giving kavod to Shabbos. And he also says that the the purpose of alikos neiros is to have you know this higher level of, of onig. Literally means pleasure. We'll talk about what that means, but to have the the pleasure and kavod of Shabbos. And it seems that part of the theme, especially in many of the, uh, the Rishonim and Achronim, is that the kava that we're giving Shabbos with Halakos Neros is to light up the house, to light the Shabbos table. You're supposed to get hanaa from the, the candles, meaning you're supposed to be in a place. It's very important if you're going away for a meal Friday night. It's a basic Halakha question. Um, where do you light? Um, that's, a, that's a classic question. I are not going to delve into that right now. But the idea is that you want to get enjoyment from the light. It's supposed to create this concept of Shalom Bayis, of bringing the, the, the serenity, the, the wholeness, the harmony, the beauty of Adalakos Neres into your home. And, you know, when you light candles, you're bringing that into your home. And there's obviously a deep relay here as well, because many, many, many of the Makaros, Halachak Makaros and Machshavim Makaros, they talk about another angle of Adla Kusneros, which is that it's a kapara for Chavasin. now this is a whole sugya which we are not going to fully fully delve into right now because it really would require a complete share in its own in terms of understanding what this sin was the nature of this sin, why adam and Chavasin, why specifically is referred to as Chavasin, even though you know she so to speak began the process even though they did both eat from the started the process so she gets credit in a certain regard for it but the questions like this. How is Hadlakos Nevis Kapara for Chavesen? So this is a topic which we have spoken about before. We're not going to give a full show in it right now because we have given it. Basically, if you go back to the we give by Chanukah and the Or HaGanus, it's a profound, profound topic, and it delves into the nature of the universe before and after Adam Arishon said. Chazal talk about how Hakash Barucho had this this light, this special light, Orhaganos, It's brought down in many midrashim. Rashi brings it down in a certain sense, not doesn't fully delve into it when his parish and chumash. but he, he talks about this light that the Kash Baruch for Tzadikim and for Rishim, and this light Chazal referred to as Orhaganos, the hidden light. The Kash hid it after Adam and Chavosend. And the way that the, the deeper Palamach Shavu talked about this light is that the way we see the world is through physical sight. So you see things, you know, you're here, I'm there, this table's here, the chair's over there. You see physical phenomena. It's a world of 2 of, of finite, physical, corporeal reality. And yet the Orahagonos, as a way of seeing things as they are, it's peering past the surface, it's seeing, for example, to give you an analogy, you cannot see my thoughts, you can't see what's going inside of me, there is a literal wall between the invisible things within me that are not concrete and visible and that which is seen. So imagine there being, instead of a wall, imagine there being a window. In the same way that when you see a light bulb, you, you don't really see the surface of the light bulb, you see light, you look very closely, you see a shell. That's the way the Adam HaRishan's goof used to be. You looked at Adam HaRishan, you saw him, you saw something angelic, luminescent. When you look closely, you see the goof, the skin. All of reality was a luminescent like that, meaning that you saw things as they are. You saw the inner ichor, the inner essence, the inner content, and the surface didn't hide it, and it revealed it. The Or was a way of seeing, a way of sight, a way of, I mean, light reveals, right? Torah, the root of Torah is Or, because Torah reveals the truth of reality. Well, the root of what it actually did is allowed you to see with a higher level of perception, a higher level of clarity, of spiritual clarity. And post Adam Sin, post Chavah we lost that light. Now we only see physical things. Now we, you know, the whole world fell, it's a, it's a whole Sugi which really requires a lot, a lot of, of analysis and opening up. But the one key point is that we lost this light. We lost this light. And Adam HaRishon and Chava, the eighth, and they ate from the Yitzadas on Friday. And what the, the Tikkun became for losing the Orhaganahs is light, bringing light back into the world. Now, it sounds like a very fluffy concept, and without the intellectual background, it is. But it's a very profound concept, because essentially, Shabbos, Habakkos Neres of Shabbos, is where we tap into bringing the orhaganas. That's really what the, the, you know, so to speak, the Kapar for Sen is that women bring that light back into the world. And it's not just on Friday, if you think about it. Hadlocka's names of Chanukah, Chazal, basically, so many of the Rishon Menachim, especially the Bala Machshava, talk about how the menorah of Chanukah brings back the orhaganas, brings back the. That, that lies to the shear we gave a uh, full full shear if you want to really delve deeper into the learning just definitely listen to that sheer uh, wherever you listen to this it's available probably on the same platform if not other platforms as well and when it comes to hanukkah it's the same concept in the same way that you know women were responsible for bringing the the Kapar for chava sen, that's the deep theme of women are always responsible for the gula. That's why the women in Mitzrayim, you know, they were encouraged and inspired, their husbands, uh, to be in kind of the midst of peruvu. When it comes to the mirrors, when it comes to Purim, it's Esther, obviously, when it comes to Hanukkah, we have Yehudas. Um, and all of the Chagim women are, you know, like behind the scenes and not behind the scenes, bringing that Keula, bringing that, that Tikka, and really, so to speak, the, the the current that they create this reverberation that really brings that full tikkun in, in terms of what was broken, and when woman light hadlakas is Friday night they are being metakin Chava's sin so to speak they're bringing that light back and it's a taste of uragunos and that light at the Shabbos table, I mean, what's shalom by? Shalom is oneness. Shalom isn't when two people aren't fighting. It's the presence of integration, synthesis, harmony. It's taking disparate pieces, bringing it into something where you create something that transcends the sum of its parts. And that is true oneness. That's true harmony. That's true light. I mean, white light, when it's refracted through a prism, it gets into... It basically breaks down to the shards and different spectrum of, of the light of the spectrum of light. But when it's in its absolute oneness, there's no colors because it's oneness, there's no pieces, there's no parts. So the idea uh, of Shabbos is really bringing that oneness. That's why Shabbos is all about oneness. It's why because Shabbos is a taste of. Of, of absolute oneness. Sira is when you don't get another Neshamah, you're, you're able, it's almost like you get more access to Neshamah, you're more able to integrate and synthesize the physical and spiritual, the infinite and finite, the ethereal and corporeal, and you're able to live a higher life in this world. That's why we engage in so many physical things on Shabbos, Tashmasamita, and sleeping, and food, and drink, because we are living a higher life in this world. And the idea is that When women are are lighting candles, they are actually bringing that light, recreating the argonas, bringing that light into the home, and it really joins into the answer of what kavod hashemah says. what's the kavod that we're doing? What's the shalom bias? The shalom bias is. The Kapara for chavasin it, it actually isn't too different. It's not, here's the, the halach. The halach is Kavut Shabbos bringing Shalom bayis, and the mach Shavah is No, the mach is deepening what the Kavut Shabbos says, what the, the Shalom Bayes is. We, by bringing light into the home, by giving Kavut to Shabbos and recognizing what Shabbos says, by bringing that light into the bayis, you're creating Shalom Bayes, which is the Kapara for chavasin which is creating oneness out of 2 which is fixing that which was broken. And that's why, you know, on the surface level, the Rambam is saying that the mitzvah of the Kassim is covered Shabbos and Shalom Bayes, but the deeper level is what's the essence of that mitzvah? It's to create something so much more transcendent than you would think at a surface level. So now let's delve into some of the more halachic and perhaps lumbest questions when it comes to the how to approach this mitzvah. And then we're going to be, making some of the, the more abstract notions of Talmud Torah when we de- delve into you know, the stages of every process of a mitzvah, how to analyze it, how to approach it, uh, how to understand what's happening when the significance of the action, the significance of the intention, significance of the result... And that really gets at the question of what is the mitzvah of, of Hadla Neiros? Is the mitzvah to light the candles, or is the mitzvah for there to be light in the home, for there to be lit candles? Is there, is, is that the result? I Meaning, on Shabbos, we need to have a lit candle. Like you do the act because you need to, you know, have that candle. But the the emphasis and. The chalos, so to speak, where the actual mitzvah is being makhayim is being fulfilled, is in having it because it's all about enjoying it on Shabbos. It's all about shalom bayis, right? It's not about the act of lighting because if you lit the candle and it goes out, you don't have the shalom bayis. You don't have light in your house, or you can say no. It's all about the act, right? You need to actively light the candle. It's the ma'isa mitzvah is hadlakas neros, as light. I mean, literally hadlakas near lighting candles, and obviously. You also want to have it afterwards. Now, is it one or the other, or is it both? Do you have to light the candle and have it? Meaning is is there, are there two stages where number one, you want to actively create the light and number two, you want to enjoy the light on Shabbos. So that could basically be something very interesting where what if you have one without the other, right? What if you light the candles, but then you're not there for Friday because you go to someone else for a meal. So you don't enjoy the light. Or, what if you didn't light the candle, you found the candles already lit for some reason, or someone else lit the candles for you, uh, who, let's argue, or let's suggest, they, they weren't high in the mitzvah, let's say non-Jew, they light the candles for you because you weren't there, or you're running back from somewhere. I'll, I'll give you another very interesting case. Let's say you had no mitzvah for hadlachos neris before Shabbos, because, let's say, between the time where, let's say oh. you got married on a Friday... And let's say by the time you got home, by the time you're going to actually get home, you're not going to be able to light the candles in time for Shabbos. So you have someone else light it for you, and then all of a sudden you have to light candles, but you didn't light them. Can you still fulfill the mitzvah by having the light in your home? Would you make a bracha on that? That's a very interesting question to think about. So it's one of those things where if the mitzvah is to have the candle lit, then maybe in such a case when there's no candle, if it's all about the result, maybe there's only a mitzvah to light the candle when there's no lit candle. But if you have a lit candle, then there's no mitzvah to light it. The mitzvah is to have the light, so you are making the mitzvah just by having it. It's one of those things where you have to break down the mitzvah. Is the mitzvah to light it? Is the mitzvah to have it lit? Is the mitzvah only to light it if you don't have one lit? Or is it really, really only about having a lit? Or is it really about just lighting it? Or is it about You know both and you can't create a distinction between the two so let's delve into a fascinating steer in the rambam that actually might open this up so in one place the rambam seems to say if you look at in the rambam hilcha shabbos um hey aleph he says that the mitzvah is so he uses the notion of oneg shabbos enjoying and the enjoying shabbos you know the pleasure of shabbos And in another place, Nebuchadnezzar Shabbos, and, and, you know, in a different place where he mentions it, he uses a very different lashon. He uses the lashon of Kavit Shabbos. And the question that you immediately think of when we think of the Ramah, who is extremely particular in every single choice of word, every single word choice is very, very important and significant, then why did he change the lashon of Oneg to Kavit? And what's the context of each? So, it's one of those things where I actually, when I first was going through this, so I myself, I had this question, I came up with a great answer. And the answer is so great that I actually later saw it in the Grach, uh, in Ur al-Rambam. And it's, it's, it opens up the Rambam and really is a beautiful teretz to this very interesting problem where he basically explains, as I was mechaving, that there are two aspects of the mitzvah of according to the Rambam. One is Kavod. And covet, the, the context of what the Rambam is talking about covet is talking about doing it before Shabbos. And covet is always an external recognition of something, meaning it's not when you are there, it's when you are from a distance. You give respect and honor and covet to someone who is greater than you, someone who is you know, distant from you to an extent, but it's always an outside perspective. So when you're giving Kavah to Shabbos, you're not experiencing Shabbos, you are perceiving what Shabbos is from the outside. It's before Shabbos starts. So giving cover to Shabbos is about preparation for Shabbos, about what you buy for Shabbos, what you do for Shabbos, getting dressed, cutting your hair, cutting your nails, getting washed, wearing nice clothes. It's leading up to Shabbos. Owning pleasure is the experience itself. Owning Shabbos is all the enjoyment you get on Shabbos itself. And when the Rambam uses the Lushen of Kavod and Odin when it comes to Hadlechus he's actually tying into these two different aspects of Hadlechus neros because lighting, the act Hadlechus neros you light before Shabbos, right? That's not Odeng Shabbos, because oning Shabbos is enjoying the light on Shabbos. Kavod Shabbos is the act of lighting, and the Rambam's talking about preparing for Shabbos. That's where he uses the Lushen of the language of Kavod Shabbos. And so when you light the candles before Shabbos, you're preparing for Shabbos. You're creating the circumstance in which you will enjoy the light. It will, it will create chill and bias. It, you will enjoy the light afterwards, but this is happening before Shabbos. But once you've already lit the candles, on Shabbos, you experience the oneg. And according to this shot. You can't make a distinction between the act of lighting and having it lit because there are two different components of the mitzvah. One is the act of lighting, that's Kavach Shabbos. The other is enjoying that light, which is the result, that's Onik Shabbos. And uh, you're going to ask me a question. What if you only have one, right? So you can either say that you're only Mekhi in one aspect. So if you only lit it, you're only doing cover, If you only enjoy it, you're only doing Onik. Or you can argue that the only way to fulfill either of them is to have both of them, meaning True Oneg Shabbos requires the Kabbalah Shabbos as well. Because only when you built it, when you lit it, when you activated it, can you truly say that you are enjoying, it could either say that that's a qualitatively increased level of Oneg Shabbos, or that without it there's no Oneg Shabbos. You can, you can argue both ways. Um, and when it comes to the opposite, let's say you only have the Oneg without the cover that's not true cover Shabbos, right? So it's one of those things where, yeah, and you can say without, meaning, with when one's lacking the other you can say that you're just lacking a piece or you're saying you're you're lacking the entire thing completely right so if you only lit it that you can say that there's obviously no oneg maybe that's not really covered and if you only enjoyed it you can say oh that's that's really just oneg or you can say maybe that's not even oneg because i didn't let it it, i didn't lay didn't activate i didn't create it not make it my own um so back to some of the napkins we had before we had some questions with, what if you already have a lit candle and you didn't light it? So that would be Oneg Shabbos, right? But is that really Oneg Shabbos? And are you need to So if you think that all we care about is Oneg Shabbos, all we care about is the results, then you can enjoy it, you can use it. But if we say that, no, you need the halakha, you need the act, either because you need kavod, or you need kavod for Oneg's sake, or that's the fundamental component of the mitzvah, then you'd actually need to blow it out and relight it, especially if these were your only candles. And that's how the Rabbeinu Tam, if you look in Tosos and Shabbos, he says, He says, You have to actually blow it out and relight it, because the mitzvah can only be fulfilled when you light the candle. Now, these are some also classic questions when it comes to brachas. When it comes to making brachas, right, do you do you make a bracha in the lakhs Of course. Now, Hadla Khasneris is Mistamitza Birchas Mitzvah, right? Well, a birchas mitzvah, you usually oh no, it's is a classic debate. Does a birchas mitzvah require an action? Right? Does there need to be a mice mitzvah? So if you say that not every if you say every birchas mitzvah requires an action, so then, you're obviously going to need a hadlaka. You're going to need to light the candle in order to make the bracha. If you say not every bracha mitzvah requires an action, we can we can go through all the different mitzvahs to determine there are some which are questionable whether there is a ma'aseh mitzvah, not a mitzvah. But. If you say that every Mitz, every mitzvah requires a ma'isah, then you're going to have to have a ma'isah here. You're going to have to have alaka. If you say that not every berachas mitzvah requires an action, it's possible to say that even if the candle was already lit, you can actually make a bracha on it, and we can say that the, the ikr is about the result, the ikr, the essence is about the oneg, not the kavod, and that's definitely a possibility. But now the question becomes: Does the mitzvah of negros require a bracha? All right? So that's that's a very, very interesting thing where you'd say that, of course, you make a bracha when you light, but let's say you didn't light, would you make a bracha on just enjoying the light? So that would get back to the fundamental question of whether a necessarily requires an action, right? If if the whole mitzvah is about the act of lighting, then you would need an act, right? And you would basically um, say that the act requires a bracha. But I mean, the, the basic the, the, the questions are kind of twofold. Meaning, does a berachas mitzvah require an action? Does a hadlakas require a bracha? And if there was no action by hadlakas and you can still fulfill the mitzvah through oneg, would you make a bracha on just the oneg, or would the hadlakas only be on the actual halakha? And you'd assume that it obviously would have to be on the halakha because the actual lashon is hadlakas Um So, so these are you know very interesting. Um, questions to think about, um, and there, as the case that I mentioned earlier, there's an interesting discussion in in the in some of the Achronim, where we have this case where a woman got married right before Shabbos, and she didn't have a chive of halakas before she got married, and all of a sudden she's married, she has a chive of but she wasn't able to light before Shabbos, right? So there's a couple of options maybe she can light before the wedding and then make a bracha after the chuppah. So that's one option. Another option is maybe she can have a guy light it for her and then she'll recite the bracha after the wedding, even though it'll be on Shabbos, so she won't do the halakha, she'll do the bracha on the result, on the oneg, so to speak, not the kavod. She's not going to be doing the ma'isim, of the neighbors of are preparing and actually doing the action of lighting, which is the, the action before Shabbos, but she will get the result on Shabbos. So can she do this? So the Avram quotes the Mahara, who says that she can do, you know, this kind of, you know, getting around it. And Avram says, no, she, he says that the act is the mitzvah. You have to light the candle, and that is the only way that you can make a bracha, is that if you do the act. And the Avram actually then says, but b'dyavid, if you forgot to make a bracha when you lit, then you can make a bracha afterwards. So even if the bracha is not being made with the actual act, you could do after. So there's a couple options for what he's referring to by this Bediyevet. One is that um, you can always make a bracha Bediyevet even if you didn't light the candles. Meaning what? Meaning if a guy lit it for you or if someone else lit it for you, you find a candle lit, you can make a bracha. Why? Because of the Onach shabbos, the result, the fact that you're still going to enjoy the light. But the other option is that no. He's saying only in the case of this, if you look at his actual lush, he's saying when you lit it. So you can be madayic and say when anyone lit it. He's not really referring to or you can be extra mediac and say, no. He's only saying only if you were the one who lit it. Why? So maybe it's when you did the act of preparing and lighting, you were kind of the covered aspect, the, prepar- the preparatory aspect, but also you did the misa of the halakha, you lit the candle, the bracha can be an extension of that, as in there's one long process. Now, why is that? So there's a couple possibilities. Number one is that maybe the bracha can be done on the oneg as long as you did the mice as long as you did the kavod. The other is that maybe he's referring to where you didn't wait that long of a time, so there's not that much of a half second, not that much of a break. It's also possible that because in this case there's so many extended stages of this process where you have the preparatory stage, then the act of lighting, and then the fact that there's the process of enjoying it, that it's not like you do a Misa Mitzvah and it's done. The process continues. And because you're still in the midst of the Mitzvah, it's one elongated process, we don't consider it as if there was a Misa, a long break, and then and then a bracha, we consider it as if the bracha is still on the maisa because the maisa is extended. There's another aspect when it comes to candles, that's a whole famous sugya and Shas when it comes to Mishum Chitzv of Neziken, where when you light the candle, you know, that single act causes the candle to light, and it continues lighting. So maybe it's as if you're continuously, meaning, how do we view that continuous flame? Do we continue? Do we view it as if you did one act of lighting and that's done? now it lights by itself, or do we consider it as if you did the act of lighting, and everything that's happening now is an extension of your mysa. It's an extension of your lighting it up. So therefore, it's continuously lighting from your initial action the whole time, and it's almost like you're constantly lighting the candle. And if you think of it like that, then you can view the mygonafim like as basically saying that you're constantly engaged in the mysa of lighting, and therefore. It's not ideal. Ideally, you should make the bracha at the very beginning, you know, before it, But when it comes to um, a case where you forgot or whatever it was, um, then bedieved, you can still make the bracha at a later point. Um, okay, so now this is a... I mean, there are a couple other questions going through before we, before we um, wrap this up. But one of the questions is, do you need to enjoy or benefit the light on Shabbos night? So there are different approaches. Um, according to some, if you think if you think that the chiv of adlakosneiros is literally a technical chiv, or it's all about covered Shabbos, you don't need to enjoy it afterwards. You make the bracha, right? You you light the candles and you're done. Uh, we're not going to talk. I mean, everyone you know and say everyone, but a lot of people know why you cover the eyes because there's a whole problem of uh, being mukayim in Shabbos and then doing melacha after Shabbos. So therefore, you do you know the whole process in terms of the way women close their eyes, but. The, the question is, what if the mitzvah is about the result? And therefore, if it's about the result of bringing light into the home and creating shalom bias, then you would need to enjoy and benefit the light after you lit. And a big problem becomes, what if you're going out for Shabbos meal? All right? What if you're going out? So there, there are different approaches where basically... Um, if you're going out for a Shabbos meal, you should either, I mean, the way that many, many hold is that you light it where you're going to sleep, and you should try to stick around and get some Hana from where you are, um, where you're lighting. Meaning even if you're not going to be there for the whole meal, it it does become a little problematic, and and there are different approaches in terms of how to do it. Um, But in terms of needing to enjoy the Shabbos candles, um, there are different shittos. For example, the Maharam says that if you accepted Shabbos early, uh, you can eat outside even if you don't end up benefiting from the candles. Um, and one approach to why he says this is because he basically could be saying that the only purpose of the mitzvah of la according to the, the Maharam, is an act of, of la kuzneros. It's covet Shabbos. It's not about shalom bayi. It's not about enjoying. It's not about owning Shabbos. Um, and that, that's definitely one approach. Uh, the Maharil says that you need to get benefits. So he says that if you don't get any benefit from the cancel of the bracha, then it's a bracha levatala, right? And once again, he could be saying that the whole mitzvah is about enjoying the light, about oneg, or he can say that no, once again, it's about kavod and oneg, but either the oneg is lacking or the oneg is lacking, which makes the cover lacking, or they're two separate aspects of the mitzvah, I mean, two separate components, or they're two separate mitzvahs. Or that, um, you know, it's one of those things where qualitatively and quantitatively you're lacking from the central mitzvah when you're not getting the oneg, even if you'd be mekayim some aspect of the mitzvah through kava through the active lighting. Once again, you basically want to break it up, right? Meaning is and kavod, two different mitzvahs, two components of one mitzvah, two stages, um, or something in between? And when you're missing one, what does that do to the other? How does it affect the mitzvah? Um, okay, so now just some other small little um, side topics before we go into something really interesting. Um, In terms of the question of when you're allowed to light candles, so there are a couple options, right? One is that you can do any time before Shabbos, literally any time on Friday, and if it's all about the result, if we just want to have light when it comes to your Shabbos meal, it doesn't matter when you light it, right? And if also it's a dimping mechaper for chavosin, we just want uneg Shabbos, we want to bring shalom b'ayas, it doesn't matter when you light it. Another approach, which we're going to see is pretty prevalent in the Rishonim, is that you want to light right before Shabbos, because if it's about covered Shabbos, if it's about showing that you're preparing for Shabbos, we want you to do it right before Shabbos to declare, I am doing this for Shabbos. If you're doing it just Friday morning while you're doing a bunch of other things, it's not clear that the mice of the act is specifically for Shabbos. And if part of the kapar for Chavasin is not only owning Shabbos, but also covered Shabbos, then we want to be making sure that we are doing cover Shabbos in the best possible way. So, and by the way, even if it's about the result, even if it's about having the oneg Shabbos, having the light, the shalom bayis on Shabbos, just from a practical perspective, if you do it too early, maybe the, the flame will go out, then you won't get your oneg Shabbos. And also, fundamentally, when you light it, it still should be clear that it's for Shabbos meaning the Oneg Shabbos is different when the lighting is done specifically for Shabbos, which gets back to the way we framed it, that the Kavod and Oneg are not two different things, they're very much connected, very much related two sides of a coin, where one does affect the other very much. And there are definitely macros, uh in um, the, this Makor and Shabbos stuff, uh, which says very explicitly you should not light Hadlakas too early. You shouldn't light candles too early. And Rashi actually says there that the reason why specifically is we want to make sure that it's recognizable that the reason you're lighting is strictly to cover strictly for the sake of giving cover the Shabbos, and. Um, Tosos actually builds off of this and says, because we just want to make sure that it's recognized as for Shabbos, it's not about how early, it's just about how close to Shabbos is. So if you're accepting Shabbos right afterwards, then you can light early. It's just a question of making sure that you're lighting for the sake of Shabbos. Um, and there's obviously, this happens all the time, where you have a question where, what if a woman lights early, and then she realizes she forgot to do something? She needs to turn something off, or turn something on, or take care of something, cook something, whatever it was. Um, What's she supposed to do? So... Uh, you know, basically, the the you know most hold that she can't do anything she already accepted Shabbos, um, and by the way, there's obviously many hold that when it comes to a local scenarios, the woman accepts Shabbos by herself, but not for her husband. So the man in the house does not um, have to um, bring on Shabbos at the same time. Not everyone holds that, but most people do. Um, there. Are some she does, for example, Shulchan ar says that she, even if she lit candles, she can get someone else in the house um, to accept Shabbos immediately, and she can do the malachah, I meaning she doesn't need to be the one to be accepting Shabbos. That's not so pasher, um, especially because she was the one who lit. So it's definitely something to be Mayan in, something to think about. Um, the last topic to really, really think about, because this is fascinating, is who's Chayv in the Mitzvah of Adel Kisneros. So we think of it that of course the woman is the one who's chaif, the woman is the one who lights, right? But if you look at the Rishonim, that's not the way they formulate it. Because first of all, if it's just to light up the house and create shalom bias, it, there's no reason it should be the woman versus the men. Of course it should be both. Right? If it's like a kapar for chav is sin, and that's the reason for lighting up the house and creating shalom bias, it would make more sense that it was a woman. Of course, if you really think about it, Adam Sin from the Yitzhadas as well. And Adam should also be, you know, being mechaper for the sin. It's not only Chava. And even if Chava was the starting point, Adam still with mistarif. he's still part of that story, he's still part of that sin. And he should also still be part of the process of being metakin and being mechaper for that sin. So who is Chayev in the mitzvah? So if you look at the Rambam, the Rambam says that they are both Chayev, but there's a greater Chayev on the woman, Right? And the lushna he uses is because she creates the Avira in the home. She is, so to speak, you know, the Shabbos Malka. She she is the one who creates the Avira of Shalom bias, And it's not that it's her responsibility, it's that that's her koach, that's her ability to do so. And the Shulchan goes so far as to say that they have the same chiv for Adlechus Nairis. So now we can go back and say... First of all, if men are also chayiv, then why do women always light the candles, right? So so one option is that it's just practical. I mean, it's lavdafka Woman, men can do it too, women do it. Um, the Rambam says that it's, this is the woman's, the women get the preference, meaning it's their, they have the right to do it, they have a higher level chayiv to do as well. And there's different ways of understanding that. One is that this is their terrain, meaning they have more of a right to do it. The other is that they have more of a koach, an ability to do it, as in women have a greater koch of creating the atmosphere in Shalom that we mentioned. Again, in terms of being mechaper, the son of Chava and Adam, you can say that Adam and Chava both have an aspect of being mechaper, but Chava was the foundation of that story in terms of the starting point, and therefore women have accepted or have the responsibility of sharing the, the greater responsibility of creating that kapara, being metaki, and creating shalom bias and oneness within the home. And th- there are different ways of approaching this, and it's important to think about it and think about, you know, what role the man does end up having when it comes to the because he does have a role. And we have to think that if, like the Shulchan they both have a chiv, then why aren't men doing it? I mean, what happens to their chiv? Just at the end of the day, they have a chiv. What, who's who's being Makayim, the men's chiv of, of the Kisneros? And according to the Raman, you do want to have a greater chiv. Still, who's being Makayim, the men's chiv? So if you think that the chiv is all about the result, not about the act, it's all about the Oneg Shamus, then once, once, it doesn't matter who's lighting it, once there's light in the home, They both are Mechaim, though, in Shabbos. So, if you think that it's all about the result, then it doesn't matter who's actually lighting it. The man and the woman are both experiencing the result of the light. If you think it's all about the act of lighting, then you can say a couple things. You can say either, once again, there's a shared chiv, and one of them is representing both of them in doing the act, and they're both mekayim the act together, to kagufo, you can kind of say that they are partners, it's a, through schlichus, through every mechanism of having a joint partnership in a single Mysa, which happens, so many times in the halachic process where you have one act that's being mekayim. For example, you have a bal kore. you have, you know, someone doing something for the tzibor, and it represents in mekayim the khiv of many people. So the woman is, so to speak, representing their bias and their family and the, the the shared responsibility and it's mekayim the act on behalf of both of them. If you think, no, each really has their own khiv, um, and once again, even if they have, even if it's not a shared khiv, I mean, once again, you can conceptualize in two ways. You can say there are two khiv right, one for the man, one for the woman, and one person's being makaim for both of them. Or you can say, no, there's one khiv on the home, and one of them is representing both of them in being makaim the chiv on the home. So it's not the woman's chiv or the man's chiv, it's the, the as a, as a, as a as a as a home, as a couple, as a married partnership, you have this responsibility, and one of you is going to take care of their responsibility. But if you really think that each has their own chiv, the well, man has a chiv and the woman has a chiv, and you say, no, it's not that the woman's going to be Mekayim the chiv of both of them through whatever mechanism of shlichos or whatever it is, but that no, really, each should be lighting it, then we can think of the fascinating minhug in Kleishel of the man to light the candles, to blow it out, and then for the woman to light the candles. So th- there's different approaches. One is just like being nice, is you know, basically preparing it for her and making it easier for her. Um, not that it's really easier nowadays, but it used to be that when you lighted it originally, you made it easier to relight it. So that could be part of it, is that you know it's just... Helping the woman—it's nothing to do with being kaim, The second aspect, second approach, is that it might actually be him taking part in the mitzvah. Once again, she is, she she has the the major aspect of of being ma'amakay in the mitzvah, but he is taking part in it. As the Rama would say, she has the main chiveh, but now the husband's taking part of it. There is, of course, a beautiful idea that actually really deepens. The husband lighting the candle beforehand, blowing it out, and then the woman lighting it again. it's based on an idea that is so profound and so fundamental in Torah thought. The Maharal, the Ramchal, the Rabban uh, talk about this principle all the time. And it's about the three stages of every process. Well, I've mentioned this countless times in countless years. And the idea is that every process starts with a flash of inspiration. You lose it and you don't know why you lost it and then you have to struggle and rebuild it yourself so we find this time and time again in our personal experience we find it in the torah we find it in countless sugyas in torah uh, It's why adam Arishon and the chava were originally built as one being and then they were torn apart and they have to rebuild that oneness why build them as one if akash who's is going to then create them as separate right? rashi says they originally created as one and dragon as being one one Literally, we were attached at the back, and then the Kashabah took them apart. The answer is that the ideal is shown. The ideal is that marriage is oneness. You are one unified being, two individuals, but shared and, and combined into a unity, into a unison. And then you're torn apart because that was an ideal that was just given as a gift. And you have to rebuild that oneness through effort, through work, through choice. That's why we learn call to in the womb. We learn, as the Vilna Gordon explains, not just Torah, we learn our unique purpose, the purpose of the world, who we're supposed to become, but then we lose that the Baal hits us on the mouth, we forget it. Why? Because our job was to come into this world and to build it ourselves. What was given in the womb was a gift, but we have to earn it. That's why all processes in life, you start a relationship, it's so enjoyable, then after a little while it starts to get a little boring, and you start to say, yeah, is it really worth it? or you were given in the beginning as a gift for what the relationship could be, but that's, that's unearned, Then you have to actually build that when it comes to foods. You start eating or drinking something, and it's so delicious, and after a little bit, you kind of just, like, get bored of it because you lose sensitivity of how to really be, choose to heighten your awareness and really enjoy it the way that it was in the beginning. Everything starts off inspiring. starts off fresh. starts off like a flash of inspiration. You lose it. That's the second stage, and you have to rebuild it yourself. Right? But the first day was to show you what you could, should, and must become. The ideal form of marriage, the ideal in terms of who you're supposed to become. And it's true of everything in life. Gosh, will constantly give us flashes of inspiration, to show us what we should, could, and must become, but then we'll lose that inspiration and we think, oh, what's the point? But the reason you lose the inspiration is because you were shown what you have to do and you lose the inspiration so now you can actually build it yourself, earn it yourself, choose it yourself. And that's a little bit of a drush in terms of the man lighting the candle, flash, kind of like starting the process and then blows it out. And then the woman takes that inspiration, takes that flash, takes that beginning that was created and then builds it. That's kind of the idea of creation, you know it kind of all fell apart, right? After Chava sin, after Adam sin, the world, the, as the Ramban explains, death came to the world. We used to be immortal. Our body would never deteriorate. We were on a much higher spiritual existential level. After the Ched of Adam and the Ched of chava, you know, we became mortal. And there's so much depth into the transition of post adam sin and the Ched Hegel, right before the Ched Hegel, by Mount we went back to that state. Hegel brought us right back down to that same post adam post chava post their sin state of being where we basically, you know, fell to the stage that we are now where we're basically mortal beings, who are limited, limited intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, existentially, we are finite beings, we all are going to die. But it's about recognizing that the, the stage that we are in the loss of that ideal is for us to rebuild it. And that number one, as you know, or Cook, many others explain, there is no such thing as death stages of existence and that when you die you simply continue as you are into the next stage of reality and you are you and it's a never-ending process of growth and choice and becoming the greatest version of yourself but the idea here in terms of just bringing a little depth into the husband lighting the candle and extinguishing it and then the woman relighting it it's that same idea of that little spark that little flash of inspiration a little light bulb moment and it you lose it, you rebuild it. And you rebuild it, and that's true shalom bias. Because shalom bias, you want to create a great home, and there are always going to be flashes of inspiration. But consistency, having true shalom, that's a battle. And so, you know, the irony is that sh- to create true shalom, that's a battle. Because true shalom, you have to fight for it. You have to fight for it tooth and nail day and night. It's, it has to be something you actually choose, something you create, something you want at the very root of your being, and nothing great in life comes easy. So what we talked about today is we opened up some of the deeper aspects of Adalakos Neros. we opened up some of the halachic aspects, some of the lamdusha aspects, some of the machshava aspects, and it's one of those things where you start to open up Torah and realize how incredible Torah wisdom is, and how it's literally... The, the greatest light, the greatest wisdom, the greatest mechanism of not only you know entering into the inner chachman inner wisdom of life but the tools, principles, and ideas of truly living a life of truth and we should all be inspired to, number one, realize the expansive nature of Hadla how every mitzvah opens up into everything else in life. It's just one of those incredible things. But if you thought that Hadla Kosneris was just something you do, now you realize it's something incredibly deep. If you were a man and you thought Hadla Kosneris has nothing to do with you, now you realize it has something to do with you. If you're a woman and you thought this is just another responsibility have, now you start to realize that with responsibility comes opportunity, and that you are given the opportunity of creating the most incredible bias of shalom and depth and warmth and openness and connection and if you're the husband listening to this then you realize that it's your responsibility too and that it's one of those things where when you are living a life of passion and purpose and thriving and striving and trying to create a shalom a true shalom-oriented life, and shalom higher shalom, where it's not I don't want to have fights with people, but I want to create true synergy and connection, and I want to you know build extraordinary relationships of openness and depth and clarity, and and I want to give myself to people in a deep way, a genuine. Way. I want to become a great version of myself, feed my mind and soul, learn Torah, become Torah, and then express that into the relationships that I have. That's how you create not only a, a bias of shalom, shalom, but a life of shalom. And that's how you create true interconnectivity, true oneness. And the, what you build within yourself expands into your house, into your intimate relationships. And what you build within your family and your intimate relationships expands into your friendships and your other relationships in your life. And that's how you, you, you literally build your network of life. So it starts with you. And the greatest way to build shalom within yourself is to start actualizing all aspects of yourself, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, emotionally, physically, financially. And when you're living your best self, when you're thriving and striving and growing and stretching and pushing, then everything else in your life is affected by it. And that's how you really create the greatest home. And if you want to have great, great kids start becoming a great, great person because living by example is the greatest tool for all external impact. It starts with you. Once it starts with you, it's one of those things you can't control other people, you can only control yourself. So never work on fixing other people, work on inspiring other people by being the greatest version of yourself. So I hope that this brought some depth and some thought-provoking questions, and that you use the ideas, principles, sources, and halachas, and machshavan and and all the aspects of, of halachas that we delved into in this year, Use it to continue learning, continue thinking, uh, you know, apply to other aspects of Torah that you are working on, and deepen one aspect of your life will deepen another aspect of your life. We should continue learning, continue growing. Have the most incredible day, and this Shabbos may the halachas nearest in your home a true Shalom bias.